0: You're now listening to Real Talk with Ryan David. Welcome to another episode of Real Talk with Ryan David, a podcast dedicated to keeping it real about psychology, leadership, lifestyle, and more. I'm Ryan David, psychology professor, personal leadership, and holistic lifestyle coach. Today's episode is part two of my conversation with Dr. Raymond Tomos, in part one, I introduced Dr. Ray, who has been my personal physician since 2016, and we discussed his role as a chiropractic internist, or DABSI. In part one of our conversation, we talked about blood work, anemia, cholesterol, insulin resistance, and prostate health. If you haven't already checked that out, be sure to listen to part one. In part two of our conversation, we'll discuss all things autoimmunity, from the terminology around autoimmunity, such as disease, disorder, or condition, to the definition of autoimmunity and exactly what it is. To different types of autoimmune conditions that exist, such as Hashimoto's thyroiditis, one that is very personal to me, lupus, and inflammatory bowel diseases like Crohn's, colitis, and celiac. And we talk about how to holistically treat autoimmunity. We also talk about COVID 19 and the relationship or impact the virus can have on the immune system, specifically those with autoimmunity, and how it can lead to what is being called long haulers COVID or long COVID. We also discuss vaccines. Lastly, we discuss antibiotics. We talk about how they work, what some of the misconceptions are, and how they can drastically impact your immune system and the dangers of overprescription and overuse. There's a lot to get into in this episode, and it was a very thorough conversation about a number of very important topics, so thank you for tuning in. Now, please enjoy part two of my discussion about holistic health with Dr. Raymond Tomos. Dr. Ray. Let's go. Thank you for having me back. It's my pleasure, man. Um. Again, this is part two. Um, I'm back for part two. We did part one with Dr. Tomos, Raymond Tomos, Dr. Ray, I'll call him.
1: That's the easiest thing to do.
0: He is Miami's first and currently only board-certified chiropractic internist, or DAB-C, I learned in part one, the DAB-C. Yes,
1: Shout sir. out
0: to all DAB-Cs out there. Not many around.
1: Not many. Ray's not the many. only one
0: I ever have known and heard of. Thank you for having me back for part two. For those of you who didn't check out and haven't checked out part one or haven't seen it or listened to it just yet in part one, we talked about a number of things. Actually, a lot of stuff. We talked about what a chiropractor is, what a chiropractor does. We talked about some of the services that you provide here at frontier spine and health. We talked about the importance of blood work and the different ways to interpret that blood work and those lab results. We talked about anemia, some really critical information on anemia, cholesterol as well, and insulin resistance as well as some tips and conversation we had about prostate health. But today I want to talk about a few heavy hitters, autoimmunity and autoimmune diseases or disorders. I'm going to talk about the difference there. And if there is one COVID specifically, how it relates to (coughs) autoimmunity, because we could talk about probably COVID for 17 weeks straight antibiotics. antibiotics, And if we have time, talk about um, thyroid health. So let's just jump right into it. Autoimmune disorders. Now this is a a, a sensitive topic or, or an important topic to me, personally, because you actually helped me or diagnosed. My autoimmune disorder. When I right. came to you first back in 2016, you actually, with the blood work and, and so on, we, we you identified, helped me identify that I have an autoimmune disorder called Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Right um, now, I just wanted to point out. I'm going to ask you in a moment what is an autoimmune disorder for you to give one of your uh, elevator pitch answers, type short and sweet. Always, oh, and sweet then sweet. we'll dive into it and dig into it deeper. That, it, but I, the, the 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 difference between or the 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 semantics autoimmune disease, autoimmune disorder. For me, I've called mine, I've called it an autoimmune disorder ever since I found out that I had it because disease sounds completely overwhelming. It sounds debilitating. It sounds like it's something that I actually have no control over and it's just overwhelming me. So I just switched that word to disorder because it really is a disorder within the immune system. How do you feel about the the connotation or the those two terms and how, how you refer to autoimmunity specifically as a disease or a disorder. And then the follow-up would be, uh, what is it? First, distinguish what it is, and then tell me how you feel about disease or disorder. What is an autoimmune
1: disorder? Well, um, let me start off by saying that semantics, I think, play a, a very big role, particularly in medicine, because an allergy, an intolerance, a sensitivity... They can technically all feel the same. They can technically all feel different. They can cause the same types of issues. But the level
0: of severity might be different.
1: No, just the effect that it has on the body is different. Mm. But when we're talking about autoimmunity, whether we call it a disease, whether we call it a disorder, I personally like to call it a condition. Yeah, even better. At the end of the day. Autoimmune condition. Autoimmune means your body is... Attacking itself. Autobiography, a story about yourself, yourself, right? Anything that's auto is self. So an autoimmune condition better is- than
0: even working. Sorry to jump in. Yeah. Autoimmunity, your body is working against itself rather than even attacking. It's working against itself rather than working to fight off. I'll for- make it I'll
1: make it super easy. Yeah. Autoimmunity is a confusion where your immune system does not know if it is targeting self or pathogen. So that pathogen could be viral, bacterial, parasitic, fungal, mycotoxin, endotoxin. Anything that's not supposed to be there. Right. It could be anything in the body. Right. And the process in which this happens is it's called molecular mimicry. So in other words, when we look at each other, we recognize facial structure features. Imagine proteins being the faces of these tissues and these things. And that's how our immune system, our cells read what it is that's going on the proteins between certain viruses in particular, viruses are generally gonna be are gonna be what are behind the autoimmunity, the main triggers, because viruses use our own tools to replicate. So mm-hmm. they actually do have a little bit of our protein structure and a little bit of our semblance They put in that
0: mask on that looks like the face of our own cell. Correct. And then we see Correct. it and we think it's our own. Right. Then- so,
1: so your immune system is like, wait a minute, is that a thyroid or is that my mm. thyroid or is that is that Epstein-Barr virus mm-hmm. or mono or is that? I can't tell. I'm going to attack it. And then...
0: I'm going to jump in because what you taught me, and we'll get to this in a moment, is that whole, I'm going to attack it. The decision on whether your immune system attacks it or not actually has to do with how healthy your immune system is working or not. You taught me that.
1: Right, exactly. But go ahead back to,
0: you said, condition rather than disease or disorder.
1: Right, because like you said, there can be a connotation when you say disease. There can be a connotation if you say disorder. So it's one that can go into remission. It's one that oftentimes has not gone into remission. It's one that is often managed because the triggers and the reasons for it to being there in the first place are not usually addressed when it comes to medicine. Hmm. So, Traditional medicine, correct. Western medicine. Right, because at the end of the day, if it's an autoimmune condition... Western medicine's main goal is going to be, well, if the immune system is attacking this person, let's lower that attack by lowering the immune system. Mm. So we get immune suppressing drugs so that that attack is no longer causing damage to for the anyone tissue.
0: listening. The goal of the medicine isn't literally to lower the immune system. It's a side effect of the medications essentially, right? No, the goal is to lower the immune system. It is literally to the doctors will say, look, this will suppress your immune system a bit. So it won't attack yourself. One hundred When you say it out loud like that, it sounds insane, but that's, that's what it is. Yeah. Wow. And, and I'm sure there's probably a different way to state it or rationalize it from a medical doctor who supports that and condones that. But totally. at the end of the day, That's literally what we're doing so we don't have such a severe reaction. Reaction, correct. And just to be clear about autoimmunity, and correct me if I'm wrong, the main culprit with autoimmunity and generally speaking, bad health or poor health or health issues, but specifically autoimmunity, the reason why it's such a problem and wrecks havoc is because when it's, quote, fighting, it's causing inflammation. And inflammation is that really the main culprit or issue of wherever or whatever the autoimmune disorder is. Right, is so, it, so think about it. Your present?
1: your immune system is on the lookout for mm-hmm. this tissue. When it finds it, it's not going to be like, hey, you know, do you mind leaving? It's it's going to say, I'm going to kill you. Right, and it's going to be a fight, war, right. war. I'm going to bring my tools, you're so going to so fight back. Right, so it's literally damaging your tissue. Dust cloud of Which is why, for example, in Hashimoto's, you'll have nodules in your thyroid. Why? Because those are little war grounds that are going on right there where your immune system is literally killing and attacking these cells. And the same thing happens. Like when you have, you know, blisters on your skin from an autoimmune condition, when you have, you know, your blood vessels inflaming from an autoimmune condition, those cells are literally being attacked and damaged by your immune system. Or physical exercise causes (coughs) inflammation because you're, they're
0: damaging the cells with your tissue, whether it's muscle or joint tissues, same kind of concept or no?
1: Yes and no, because the, the outcome is the same. The cells are That's dying. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. The cells are dying, but one way it's through a physical stress. Correct. Definitely. And the other way is through a chemical attack by your immune gotcha. system. Gotcha. So
0: technically it, inflammation is the result, but the, the the cause of it is completely different. Right. Okay. Fair exactly. enough. Yeah. I just want to point out how inflammation really is the culprit here. Even if you don't have autoimmunity, you want to stay away from inflammation and you well, want to so, address inflammation. Right? right.
1: So, so the whole thing, how does inflammation tie in here? Well, how does your body know how to attack and when to attack and what to do? It all happens through chemical signaling. Prostaglandins cytokines. These are some of the chemicals that tell our body whether or not to turn off or turn on inflammation,
0: white blood cells, not not white blood
1: cell. Well, white blood cells are our whole part of that process. Okay. Um, and so this chemical signaling, it's, it's through the complement system, through, like I said, prostaglandin cytokines. These are made by tissues in the body that respond to stimuli. So if the immune system says, yo, this cell found this guy that we got to go after, mm-hmm. and it's this— now all of a sudden all these things that crank out inflammation are starting to get worked. Those genes, those light switches, boom, turned on. Right. So now we have interleukin ten, interleukin seventeen, interleukin six, tumor necrosis factor, all these things that start to either upregulate or downregulate inflammation start
0: happening. So you're calling in seal team six and shit. Like, Correct. It's in
1: in a severe situation. Right. And, and the longer that it goes, guess what? The more severe that it gets. So right. the more inflammation and so it becomes like a self winding watch. And wow. then we feed that with standard American diet, with all the other things that go on, the stress, the lack of, of motion, mm-hmm. you know, it's what makes all disease even worse. And it's self-perpetuating, which is a big problem, which is why it's so hard to deal with. So that's why medi- medically, you know, it's like, hey, we need to anti-inflame, anti-immune, anti-everything to stop this process.
0: Without disabling the immune system.
1: Right, it's not a complete disablement. It's right. just a hey. It's like dousing some water on the fire without trying to put the fire out. You know, we,
0: we need it to function the way it's supposed to. Real quick, um, just to elaborate a little more on what I alluded to that you taught me, because it's counterintuitive. Well, damn, Doc, what do I do about this autoimmune? disorder that I have, because what you're telling me is, this is early on when I was starting to understand what it was, my immune, system, my immune system is attacking me. Like you said, you go to a traditional doctor of traditional medicine, they'll say, okay, we need to lower your immune system so your response won't be as severe. But what you said and what you point out was, well, actually the answer, and correct me if I'm wrong, A paraphrasing here, is we need to strengthen your immune system so that your immune system knows the difference on one level or another about what it should attack and what it shouldn't. And what I went from with an analogy for that, I tell my students, is your immune system is kind of like a watchdog. And if the watchdog is healthy and fed right and is trained correctly and knows what to do, it knows who to attack and who doesn't. But if that dog is beaten or hungry or scared, it's in the corner. Anybody who walks by, including the owner, will get bit. Boom. And so that's the way I understand it. And so what I need to do is I need to maximize my immune system so it's as healthy as it can be, so it recognizes the cells it needs to recognize and leaves the other ones alone.
1: Correct. So... What are the things that would contribute to the dog being underfed and, you name it. you know, angry, right? Well, at the end of the day, inflammation itself is that cause. But mm. what are all the contributing factors to that inflammation that come from the lifestyle? The imbalance of omega-3s, the imbalance of macronutrients, the presence of other infections. That is the biggest thing. That, kind of is
0: a, that's a nice segue
1: into where we're going. Um, right, that's, Continue. Sorry. So, so the biggest issue that we have is most of the time when we have an autoimmune condition, disease, disorder, whatever you want to call it, the body at once at one point said, this tissue looks bad to me, even though it's its own tissue. Now, that attack is going to keep going. And it's going to be fueled by everything else in the body that's causing disease. So food sensitivities, mm. right, which mimic an infection, other viruses, other bacterias, other parasites, anything else in the body that's disrupting the immune system and maybe spreading the immune system too thin. Yep. If you have a bunch of food sensitivities, if you have a high viral load, if you have a bacterial infection in your sinus or in your gut or in your genitals or anywhere yep. on your scalp that's going to be a contributing factor to your autoimmune condition. Because your system has to contribute work on that as well. Exactly. It's got to deal with all these things. So for me, the process is not dumb the immune system down, but get rid of all the stuff that's making the immune system work hard Mm -hmm. so that it can focus on balancing itself out. So that's why I look for every other infection in the body. Right. I worry about... And lifestyle. Right, and lifestyle. And I worry about, well, you know, how many viruses are affecting this person? Um, And... We're, I'm not. I don't want to segue into it right now because we got a lot to cover. But COVID is a huge trigger for that too. Well, we're getting there. we're going to get right into that. So yeah, man, keep it. Let's keep it going. I like where we're at right now. But finding all these sources of inflammation is the key to helping with autoimmunity on a natural side of things.
0: I just wanted to piggyback on what you said about like contributing factors that will weaken the immune system. I never forget when when we met and we started first working together to try and get my, my situation under control. I remember you said to me after you learned a little bit more about me, you know, I tried to eat consciously for a long time exercising, you know, the, the mindset, the mentality, right. psychological level of, of, of keeping my stress mastered. And so I remember you looked at me and you're like, listen, if you had this level of where you are with your disorder and what's going on, what I see here, and you weren't doing what you're doing as far as eating the way you are and having the lifestyle you'd It'd be, be a disaster worse. right now way you worse. told me that and i thought well thank god that for the sake of just being healthy i was at least working on those but since then i we haven't mentioned the s word yet and that's one of the things that is the biggest contributor to helping build, boost the immune system we'll get to that it's a question i have for you you might know what that s word is might not hold on a second but since <laughs> you brought that up to me and you pointed that out what I've noticed, you said a second ago, yeah, you talk about underlying other diseases and stuff like that, but for me, what I've noticed, just for anybody out there, I'm relatively healthy and actually have a relatively strong immune system, but what I've noticed is once I compound my immune system where it is now with caffeine, alcohol, sugar, and or lack of sleep, no sleep. one, two, or three, yeah, you knew that was the S word, one, two, or Three, forget about it. Of those factors will just drive my immune system into the ground. And it's crazy. It's harder as you get older, which most things are. I didn't realize this back in my 30s. One of the reasons why I stopped drinking alcohol for the most part in my mid-30s was because it was just too tough to recover. Like I could handle it, but there's like no reason why I should have been so debilitated You know, two days after I was drinking out with the guys. Like when I was in college, I wake up the next day, but I thought this isn't worth it anymore. But what I realized was it was because that was just crashing my immune system and to get back. And I was like, this isn't worth it. So but now, even now, too much caffeine, too much sugar, alcohol, too many days or whatever the case is, like I was like, nah man, and it just crashes. It just makes it right way and, worse.
1: And that's because, you know, obviously, you know, you don't mind we're talking about personally some of your stuff, but viruses in particular are a part of our body. They're opportunistic. So mm-hmm. when that immune system does drop Guess who's back to party? Now it's their turn to party. Yeah, you know, and they're it's like crazy. Oh, This guy party, go we go party right this week. let get out there. Now's our time. Exactly. And so, you,
0: you mentioned sorry, Epstein Barr. And, right. and that's separate from Hashimoto's. Hashimoto's is the actual autoimmune disorder but Epstein Barr, otherwise known as Mono. Mononucleosis. Mono, the kissing disease. I got it after drinking after somebody when I was in high school. I wasn't to kissing somebody, I'm pretty sure. No, so anyway, we'll kiss
1: and tell, right. wasn't
0: that kind of guy, but <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it was drinking after somebody at the party, which is still pretty disgusting, but I don't know that. And I got that in high school, didn't know there was a relationship and apparently 80%, you might've told me this, around 80% of people with Hashimoto's have the Epstein-Barr virus present in their body, particularly in their thyroid. This is a side nugget there. Um, so, so, so that's amazing information about autoimmune disorders as a whole. For anybody listening, I, I brought up some examples of autoimmune disorders, and not only some examples, but it listed the top 14. I think they're in order, actually, just so anybody out here is listening and thinks, well, I have that. Or, you have an autoimmune disorder if you have type 1 diabetes, that right. obviously deals with insulin production or lack of insulin production, um, rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis or uh, psoriatic. psoriatic arthritis, right. multiple sclerosis, lupus. Real quickly, what is lupus, just briefly? If you
1: can, an autoimmune
0: condition. In a nutshell, no. there we uh, go. Moving on. <laughs> so
1: the difference between all of these conditions is the tissue that's being attacked. Where they attack,
0: correct? And lupus attacks mainly connective tissue. Connective tissue. So that's it. That's what I was skin really wanting.
1: joints. It can it can manifest in a number of ways. Most people that have lupus have a butterfly rash, mm. although. Recently, that number seems to be dropping where I think it's only 30% of people that actually present with that Mm. telltale lupus rash. Um, But yeah, at the end of the day, the difference between all of these is what tissue is being attacked. That's how we name the disease. That's
0: specifically connective tissue. IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. I want to stop there for a minute because inflammatory bowel, I said irritable, inflammatory bowel syndrome uh, disease. IBS is inflammatory bowel syndrome. Nope. Uh, Irritable bowel syndrome. Irritable bowel syndrome. IBD. Is inflammatory inflammatory bowel bowel. disease. That's the autoimmune disorder. Sorry about that. I want to stop there because I was looking into that and I talked to a former student of mine. She talked about Crohn's. I actually read up on Crohn's and there was, there was, I I saw a, a couple of different, um, um, takes on Crohn's. One said this is an autoimmune. The other said it's not really technically an autoimmune disorder. It's really a, a, var- a variation or an offshoot
1: of what's going on with IBS. I, I don't know. What is your take on Crohn's? Is 100% an autoimmune condition. Condition. And there is three types of major inflammatory bowel diseases. It's Crohn's, colitis, and celiac. Mm. Now, Celiac's on here number 14. I haven't got to it yet. So that's a, that's a form of, and it can be lumped in there. Um, but inflammatory bowel is going to be major Crohn's colitis. Hmm. Um, and like I said, some people will consider celiac to be a part of that because it's okay very similar. Intestinal tract. Right. There's some slight differences in what's going to appear in a colonoscopy, endoscopy, that kind of a thing. The difference between Crohn's and colitis is it's the same disease process. Crohn's can affect you from your mouth and GI tract wow. from the top all the way to your intestines. Colitis is going to happen primarily colon, in the colon, right? So, you know that's the only difference. But I do want to, uh, while I have the mic, just talk about IBS versus IBD Absolutely. really quick Go ahead. because that's a huge, huge difference. Although it could feel exactly the same. Mm. You could feel worse with IBS than you could with IBD initially mm. because the longer that IBD goes on, the worse that things are. You may, it may lead to colon resection, oh. uh, stomach removal. There's a whole lot of things. End up with a J pouch, colostomy bag, a whole lot of stuff that can go wrong with uncontrolled inflammatory bowel disease. IBD. Right. But irritable bowel is what your doctor is going to call stomach symptoms when it's not IBD. So if you have gas, if you have abdominal pain, if you have bloating, if you it's have an irritated stomach, anything that's going to be a, a symptom—diarrhea, constipation—all mm. of that's going to be associated with IBS. Not in a, that's not an autoimmune disorder, and not an autoimmune disorder at all. Your tissues are fine; the function of your gut is what's compromised. Got it. Now in IBD, that's actual tissues being destroyed, cells being attacked by your immune system, and so that will show up over time on colonoscopy, on imaging, on those kinds of things. Um, One of the ways that we look at this primarily in what we call the subclinical state. So before this really gets full blown is by looking at markers like calprotectin, Mm. uh, eosinophil, protein X, lysozyme. And these are markers that we find generally in comprehensive stool analysis. Mm. By the way, anybody with an autoimmune condition, 100% of my office is going to get a comprehensive stool analysis because there's so much effect effect and effect from the gut on the immune system. Uh, yeah, I mean, you sure. hear commercials all the time. It's 80% of your immune system. Yeah, right. and, and it is yeah, they, the good they, they, bacteria versus the bad bacteria balance. How are, you know, what are we getting and absorbing from our gut? All this stuff goes a long way in our overall health and how our immune system is going to be running, whether it's running on you know cruise control or whether it's got the pedal to the metal or whether it's running on fumes and struggling to to function.
0: And just to add to that, you you would just think and use common sense. Those out here thinking about gut health and the commercials are finally telling you something that you you need to know and is important which is gut health is a big deal in terms of your immune system. But Except for Activia doesn't
1: work. So let's just get get that out of there. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah, There's probiotics but there's also 28 grams of sugar. Which is where I was going. Which is exactly where I was going.
0: You can't be out here thinking about restructuring your gut health for your immune system but then not thinking about what the food is you're putting back into that gut 100% so just be mindful why is the gut health so important because the gut is where you're absorbing the food which is going to feed your immune system or dist- or weaken it I should say well not only that but
1: not just your immune system your entire body of course
0: not needless to say but I mean right. particularly what we're doing here in your gut if you have a you know a leaky gut or problems with your gut your immune system cannot be strengthened by what you're putting in your right. your gut if it's not in good shape but also what you, you put in there only be weakened right? yeah Yeah. So just keep that common sense almost in mind. Moving on. That's just a few so far. Just real quick to round out the end there. And I have a couple I was going to point out. Addison's disease. This is not a very common one. But I I heard about this a while back. And now just looking at this list again, also called hypocortical, hypocortisolism, hypocortisolism, which is a lack of production. Or lower production of cortisol, the stress hormone that you need. Hypocortisolism. It's a weird word I never heard before. And I think hypocortico, and I was trying to do that there. Real quick, this is the disease that I found, a disorder that was going, that JFK had. And what, what it really was, uh, they, they kind of summarized the the what this disorder was. People lack a fight or flight response. Now, that's probably an over-exaggeration of exactly what's going on. But their stress response is not, is not enabled or is not... Um, at full capacity in a sense because they're not producing the stress hormones that contribute to the stress response which is strange and it also can lead to some other problems blood pressure low blood pressure was one of them I saw but that's an autoimmune disorder not to dive into that too deep but right I mean
1: right again at the end of the day it's attacking the part of your body that produces those stress hormones right? right and that stress hormone like you said when fight or flight hits You know, everybody talks about cortisol like the bad guy, but we need cortisol to a certain extent. Exactly. I talk about short term. We need cortisol right now. A hundred percent. It's when it's long term, chronic. Right. That's when it becomes a problem. problem. That's, you know, because what does it do? It blocks. Everybody said, oh, it blocks fat, you know, metabolism. Why? Because fat metabolism takes a long time to get going. We need energy right now. And when you're stressed, stressed. you need it right now. So let's turn that off. Let's not worry about that. Let's. Get all the glucose and glycogen and everything that's ready to rock yep. right now. That's so, good if
0: you're in an emergency or right, crisis when right When you're now. fight
1: or flight, you don't want to be talking about, oh, let's start burning fat. No. So there's a reason for it. As all.
0: opposed to if you're in a, you know, a, 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 a violent, you know, uh, an abusive relationship for six months or a job you hate for a year, that cortisol after that long starts That's to add bad. up. In that stress right. response. That's, That's when good. it's
1: too high and then you can't sustain that production. And then it drops burning and then off your resources. You find yourself in a hypercortisol state, Yep. Hypocortisol state, excuse me. So yeah, hypo, not enough. Yeah, it'll jump up first, prolonged. It'll stay too long. Crashed. And that, that, in, that really is one of the biggest things that we deal with, with people that have autoimmunity as well. Really? Because when you have an autoimmune condition, that's a stress that you have every single day you wake uh, up and your immune system is mm, pedal to the metal so cortisol never sh- thought of the relationship yeah, really goes between up. those two necessarily alright so let me break it down real quick when we think about stress which is the S word that I thought that you were talking it's a, about it is a big S word but no lack of sleep is a stress alcohol is a stress sitting in bad posture is a stress not exercising is a stress Certain foods. Driving in Miami is a stress. <laughs> Here you go. Okay, so... Whatever stress comes, wherever foods it comes Foods are from. a stress. Traumas are a stress. There's physical, there's chemical, there's emotional stress. Mm-hmm. All of these things, and some of them can come from inside. Nutrient deficiencies, mm. that's a stress. Imbalance of the immune system, that's a stress. Food sensitivities, that's a stress. So all these things stress will show us where these problems are, but they'll also have a long-term effect on the hormones. Because
0: any stress, no matter where it's coming from what type it is, triggers the stress response. Correct. And there's the relationship between the two.
1: Right. So if it's so many things triggering cortisol, you can only make so much of mm. for so long, eventually that's going to drop. And then that's where we get into one of my favorite subjects, adrenal fatigue. You so, know what?
0: That is, that was, I think, what what i saw with addison's but keep that in
1: mind because it affects the adrenal glands which is where cortisol and dhea and all these other i talk about adrenal fatigue with a couple of people in the past and they were talking about coffee and i said look you want to
0: quit coffee stop for four or five days drink a lot of water and be fine and you should be able to overcome it if you aren't able to it could be because you're suffering from something deeper because of how much and how dependent you're on coffee and it could be adrenal fatigue we have a bigger problem Next level
1: I mean I would agree with that At the end of the day You know Fatigue can come from A number of different reasons
0: Yeah I was talking specifically If this was for coffee Coffee drinker, related Because right. other things Can drain your, fatino- your adrenals totally, as well Totally
1: Totally yeah. and, and so you know There's a lot of Adrenal fatigue doctors Who work on adrenal fatigue only Which is good Because you need to address The adrenal glands But that's one part of the equation mm. Adrenal glands Just don't become fatigued Because it's Tuesday You know what I mean Like Right, there has to be an, right. an ongoing, long, Come on, Doc. chronic. Let's do a little more looking and investigating to exactly. find out so what else is if, going if on you there. Talk to somebody who's going to say, "Oh, take these herbs and do this and fix your adrenals." Okay, great, but you better be looking at why your adrenals needing all those Always. herbs and all those things. And
0: that's purpose. again really what I liked about your approach and about the holistic approach, which is sure we de- we need to address that. But let's also talk about how we got there and what else kind of led you to that. Why? Yeah. Why? Good why are you there?
1: Doctors know what to do. Great doctors know why. Why and it happened. If you can fix why, well then now you fix the problem. Correct. Which is why a lot of what doctors don't want don't want the why. They doctors. don't want to know the why right. Right. You can do that math. You lose a customer
0: for life. Exactly. And that's a bigger conversation. But if we do part three at some point come back we'll talk about adrenal fatigue yeah maybe even in part 4 or 5 you know who knows, nice right? I like it I like it <laughs> so just still in part 2 though just to round out this list Sjogren's Syndrome Sjogren right. is not spelled S-H-O no, I, it's I, I wrote that so that I say it right because yeah. when I saw S-J or something I didn't want to say it right
1: S-J with the O with the two little yeah, dots little German, German, dot, dot, yeah. German
0: O Sjogren's Hashimoto's thyroiditis that's the one I talked about personally
1: that I and you skipped over Graves and Graves Graves I
0: didn't mean to skip over Graves I mean, I have Graves there because Graves can be sometimes confused with Hashimoto's. Right? It also deals with the thyroid.
1: Correct. And you can actually go between them. Oh, wow! The same person can have Graves one day and Hashimoto's the next, oh. and the only difference is hyperthyroid versus hypothyroid. Let's say that I think
0: I have thyroid as a thyroid health on here. Maybe we can Let, we'll talk about it. There. Dive into that there, yeah, yeah, but totally. um,
1: autoimmune vasculitis. Uh, I just read that Ashton Kutcher had autoimmune vasculitis. And that it, like, almost took him out. Went blind, went everything, like, lost all these senses and all these things because blood flow wow. is extremely important to Pretty human important. function, yeah. right? Vascular so, is vascular. Exactly. So if, you're, if, you're in, if your cardiovascular system is inflamed, you're not going to get blood flow, you're not going to get oxygen, you're going to lose function.
0: I tried to think of a punked joke there, but I'll, I won't go there with the- <laughs> pernicious anemia, and celiac was last. We talked about celiac as it relates to the the gut lining, and so really celiac per- specifically, though. Is- right,
1: and pernicious anemia is a, a semantic word as well. Uh, the actual autoimmune condition is hemolytic anemia. Okay. Um, pernicious just means that it could be a bad anemia for your health or that sometimes people consider that to be the small-celled anemia as well, uh, microcytic anemia. But hemolytic, uh, lysis, lytic, means to die or to kill and hemo means heme iron heme complex in the red blood cells. So hemolytic anemia means your red blood cells are being attacked by your immune system and they're spilling additional iron into the blood and wow. causing all those types of issues. Yeah. So okay, gotcha. Wow, for, for people who have anemia, like we discussed last time, if you have hemolytic anemia, the last thing you need to do is be taking iron.
0: Correct, there you go. And we dove into uh, anemia uh, specifically in, in part one. Right. Lastly, celiac disease, the word gluten, People, a lot of people know about gluten from gluten-free foods. Right. Real quick, uh, celiac disease is not an allergy to gluten. It is basically where gluten and the protein gluten from the food talk about how it interacts with the gut lining so
1: what what your body does is it perceives the gluten to be your gut lining and it and it's attacking gluten and now it's attacking your gut lining too Mm. so the difference here is that with crohn's and colitis and celiac with with celiac gluten is the trigger With Crohn's and colitis, it's a different trigger. Got you.
0: And to be fair, you can have a gluten sensitivity and not have celiac.
1: Totally. Right? Celiac would be the... Because there's intolerance. Yes. Sensitivity. Sensitivity. And allergy. Got it. And then an autoimmune condition caused by, Mm. right? So if it's a sensitivity, it's a delayed reaction. It's not something you're going to feel, but it is going to add fuel to that autoimmune fire. If it's a allergy immediately you're going to have hives or your throat closing or uh you're going to have you know scratchy throat that kind of a deal some sort of allergic response right and and then when it turns out to be a uh we talked about intolerance all right being one of the other things as well it just means you can't digest it so you may have some symptoms from it but it does absolutely nothing to your immune system absolutely nothing to your tissues absolutely nothing harmful to your body except for you know the symptoms that you feel while it's causing issues in your gut.
0: Was it you or did I read somewhere that you could think of and you could almost think of and see an allergy as
1: an autoimmune issue? No, not necessarily. Allergy is not an autoimmune response? It is not because allergies are mediated by immunoglobulin E. Okay. And then that causes a histamine response from mast cells, which are part of the immune system, kind of releasing that histamine as as a way to kind of like... Turn off that that situation. Um, but it is not autoimmune, but it can be heightened by autoimmunity. Because people, like, why why can two people walk into a dusty room and one will start sneezing and get hives everywhere and the other one won't? Well, it's the status of their immune system. Okay. The reason dust is an allergen is because it can affect the immune system if the immune system is already in a hyperactive state. So when you have autoimmunity, your chances for allergies also go up.
0: Which is crazy because, thankfully, I went and got all my allergy tests done. I have zero allergies, which I was thankful for that, even right. with the autoimmune disorder. Uh, last thing to ask you about about allergies as it relates to autoimmune disorders, specifically in, based on what you are aware of and what you know, can you, I guess, send an allergy into remission or overcome an allergy
1: or get rid of an allergy? Definitely. Okay. Um, I've seen that happen a lot of times, particularly kids with peanut allergies and stuff like that. And there's a huge tie-in again. the microbiome so you know the bacteria in your gut play a huge role in what's going on with a lot of these allergies as well and that's because you can have pro-inflammatory bacteria and you can have anti-inflammatory bacteria so
0: could slow could slow exposure. exposure to these allergies help you overcome it like if you have a shrimp allergy eating a shrimp or two at dinner and see if you don't and then just wean your way onto if you're taking
1: care of some of the Everything else the fuel goes back to the y. fire right okay. if you're fixing the gut if you're okay. you know balancing the immune system and doing these fair things enough. then yeah fair if enough. you don't address those issues then no you're just going to continue to make for your sure. allergic condition even worse
0: fair enough off top most common autoimmune condition you see in your office come to mind uh, or that you know of just generally
1: In general, I think most people that come in... I mean, short of type one, that's a So but for you that you work with to try to... I'll be honest with you. Most people that come into my office are like in subclinical states of autoimmunity
0: oh okay which is good that they got to you before that happens right
1: because they are before this immune system blows up in their face they're going to their doctors and their doctors are telling them that everything is fine but they're tired their (laughs) joints hurt they feel like crap they have no libido and they're like well what is wrong with me well nothing yet according to my chart come back when you can't quite come back right and so you know their cortisol is all crazy their hormones are now gone it's like don't wait till then right exactly so the minute you know again and, and people get upset And I'm like, look, your doctor is not trained for that. Mm -hmm. Your doctor is trained to find disease, and when he does, then manage that. But if you have subclinical disease, there's nothing that you can do with medicine. Wow. So when you don't feel good, yes, you want to go see a medical doctor, make sure you don't have a disease. If they tell you everything's fine and you still don't feel well, that's when you need a functional doctor. There you go. Or you could see a functional doctor like myself who actually looks for disease as well. As and, well. And has found it in cases where medical doctors haven't, mm. specialists even, mm. because of how thorough I am. But if you're functional, you're probably gonna be really thorough because you need to know all these markers and all these things that are going on in the body to understand how the body's working. Right. Two for one, there you go.
0: Yep. Just real quick on the way out of autoimmune disorders, the prevalence <laughs> I looked it up, and I just want to get your thoughts on this. According to the National Institute of Health it says up to 23.5 million Americans, about 7% of the population suffer from autoimmune disease, and that's the prevalence they say is rising. That was as of 2017. I don't know about you, Doc, but I would say that number is way higher than than just
1: 7% of the population oh. because of the people that don't know they have it and haven't seen anyone. Right. Like I said, most of the people that come into me are subclinical so they will eventually have it but exactly a lot of people are gonna be like, oh you know, I just I diagnosed a guy with diabetes the other day. He had no idea. He was like, Yeah, I pee a lot, but I drink a lot of water. Yeah, I'm tired, but I you know, I work in construction. Type two or what type two, yeah. Well type two in his case, but so many people are just Don't have time to be sick, (laughs) you know. They're like, whatever. I gotta go do. I gotta what I gotta go do. I gotta put food on the table. Mm. You know, I don't want to go waste time doctors, this, that, whatever. And they just push themselves into the point where
0: they run out of time at the back end of their life, though. Right, gotta be careful. Or they
1: get to the point where they can't anymore. That's what I
0: mean, though. You gotta make that sacrifice. Yeah, I don't have time, but you know what? If I don't address it now, I'm gonna die way earlier before, or I'm gonna be debilitated way before. So it's a trade off. But yeah, man. Um, so. This is what I was talking about, that S-word earlier. Top three ways to naturally boost your immune system. I'm going to give you guys the first one. Don't know where Doc will rank this. It's absolutely quality sleep, period, point blank.
1: That's number one, two, and three. So you can give me four and five. So number four would be actually to, believe it or not, restrict calories. Hmm it's so funny
0: you say that I read some literature on the longevity of life and it had to do with actually limiting because it makes your body not want to work as hard is that what it is
1: right so when your body is in starvation mode it's kind of different than when your body's in storage mode hmm. and when you're in starvation mode everything is working like as efficiently as it can starvation's like, a
0: heavy word not like literally right like you're not starving yeah like but, but, but you
1: haven't had calories in a while right so maybe like a 12 hour systems fast. on go kind of right. yes so when you're Body is in that, and the, and that's why there's a lot of benefit uh, that's especially recently been found in fasting because it generates processes like apoptosis and autophagy. depending on how
0: you do it and right. if you do it correctly and what you do when you eat right. when you're not fasting, right. all those things matter. So
1: your body at that point is like cleaning up the bad stuff and recycling and getting ready for mm. you know potentially not having energy. So it's doing everything as efficiently as it can, as opposed to oh we got a surplus oh whatever doesn't matter you know right. your body gets lazy too for sure. So same type of a deal there so uh, restricting calories and sugar is a huge one and uh, sugar in particular restricting
0: sugar for you guys not more sugar right not more
1: sugar but restricting sugar (laughs) because sugar when we talk about
0: sugar doc specify really refined sugars mainly what we're talking about right right?
1: high fructose corn syrup and you know those things for sure now for some people, if you have insulin resistance, it doesn't matter if it's agave or honey or whatever. If it's a sugar, it's still the sugar. If
0: you're at that far end of the spectrum, we Correct. need to cut back fruits too. But generally speaking, right. for those of you out there, a Twinkie is not the same as an apple.
1: Not at all. They both have sugar, yes, but it's not even close. Correct. And and an apple is actually very low glycemic. Is it? So Bananas high. Right. But, right. So let's say... Uh, and uh, I could probably be way off on this. I have no idea, but let's say a banana gives you the same type of insulin response that a Twinkie does. Mm-hmm. The banana still has fiber. The yes, banana still correct. has nutrients. The banana still, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Twinkie doesn't have any of that stuff. Right. So I
0: think it's where you were before you had the Twinkie or the banana in the first place. Though. Right.
1: So the fiber content and all those other things that go along with sugar are also important. That's what I tell people. The fruit has more than just the sugar right. in it. that matters
0: right. when you're holistically processing that.
1: Correct. Which is also just a quick, quick thing yep juicing juicing i'm not a big fan of because all you're getting is fiber that has all the nutrients in it exactly i'm kind of guilty
0: of that because of the mess that juicing actually um well because of how much of when you juice when i juice i get rid of the mess per se and i just drink the juice when you if you put it in the blender or the nutrible or the vitamix all that pulp and stuff is in there and that's better for you, for your system, big time. But it might not be as pleasant or as easy to drink. Right. Um, so you, you, I feel kind of attacked because I just well, got back should. into juicing. <laughs> I have a great juicer. <laughs> juicer is good, but but juicing is is better than not doing anything. But if you
1: could, leave the pulp. Definitely. And again, I'm not saying ju like green juices in particular, that's not too bad. But one of the biggest benefits of greens are the fiber. That come sure. Along with for them. You sure. You know what I mean? hundred percent. So yes, you are getting the vitamins and you're getting the minerals and, and things like that, but you've got to be careful because if you're juicing watermelon, pineapple, and all these, now you could be just potentially drinking a, a yeah. big glass of sugar. It's almost concentrate in a right. sense. Yeah. Right. So, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's again, it's, there's so many little intricacies that come Definitely. along to it, but I would suggest smoothies over juices. For sure. For that if reason. gut health is a concern, yep. if if blood sugar is a concern, those kinds of things.
0: Going back, great, it's good stuff. And so you just hit on three three major things: sleep, quality sleep. I think we could probably I could probably expand on these three more. What is quality sleep? And then the second one you talked about was um, restricting calories. Restricting calories, which people hear of fasting, but just to point of clarification, f- f- what he's talking about fasting for, I think, Doc. Correct me if I'm wrong, is to incorporate limiting calories into your life. But if you're binging after you get done fasting, you're defeating the purpose. So you really need to have a balanced diet right. when you're eating, right. then work in the restriction right. to, to kind of keep your body into that
1: mode. Or even just without fasting, eating smaller yes.
0: portions. Right. That's what I was going to say. You don't have to fast to have calorie restrictions. It's just eating less food. And at right. first for people, especially in the US, it's going to feel
1: hard because we yeah. overeat as it is, generally speaking. Totally. That We get a plate and we're like, damn. Right. They're jipping me here. Right? Right. What is this? Yeah. But that's actually probably the the size that you should you be should eating, have, right? And the other thing too, you know, we don't we don't think about it too often. Um, but you know, when we're talking about these foods and these sugars and all these kinds of things, again, you can't make just a broad spectrum. You know, this is general a, statement. There's right. nuances there. It's exactly, not, yes, correct. And one of the biggest things too with fasting is that on average, they found that people who fasted got in about 500 less calories per day. So that's where you mentioned the food restriction that comes or the calorie restriction that comes along with the fasting. But I just want to make it clear, you don't have to fast to restrict calories, sure. right? Although it does, it can be a tool for that, right? So uh, there we go. That just and, and when you limit up. the
0: calories when you're trying to ex- build your gut health, you limit the calories. You also let your gut rebuild, you know, without be overloading it with all the foods and whatnot. So correct, that's important. So I think quality sleep. Uh, calorie restrictions in some way, shape or form in a healthy way. And then lastly, cutting out those refined sugars. And that's where the juicing comes into it there. Those three things, if people could start to incorporate that into their, their life, I mean, that's one way to kickstart your immune system or at least bring it back to a level that where it was. I just want to touch on that with autoimmune disorders. Okay. Don't know how much time we have on this because we could probably do a whole session on it. But I want to transition from autoimmune disorders and autoimmunity into the relationship with COVID. Um, we spoke recently um, in your office, one of my, my visits here. You actually went into some detail about that relationship between the two. Um, so I'll, I'll let you have the mic and just say what you would like to say about the relationship between COVID, I guess your immune system in general, and then maybe individuals with autoimmunity. Um, I will just say full disclosure. Uh, I went two years without contracting COVID, but then I, I did contract COVID with the autoimmune disorder and it was rough for a day or two. Didn't know what to expect, but I think because I had put myself and who knows, put myself in such a position to have the health that I have, I was able to handle it and deal with it the way that I did. Right. Um, and, and by the way, I'll put full disclosure, that was with no vaccination. And the reason why I was hesitant to get any vaccination was because of unsure about how my autoimmune condition was going to respond or react. Now, there's people out there rolling their eyes and shrugging their shoulders and saying, this idiot, it has no relationship. But you couldn't show me that specifically with some scientific data long term that was researched at the time I was uncertain. So I was going to go trust myself more than I was going to trust their their statements. So to each his own and, and, and I, from my own, to each their own, just to be, my own family was giving me in 2022, my own family who people who I love, care, trust and respect were concerned and giving me kind of a hard time about getting, you know, protected, 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 especially because Ryan, you have an autoimmune disorder, you, you're at, and I said, but it's not, doesn't really work that way. Yes. In theory, maybe I would be more susceptible, but actually there's some caveats to that. And, and I might be taking care of myself in a way that actually helps me handle it. So I just want to put my stuff out there just as an example. Um, what do you want to say about the relationship or just COVID in general, but the relationship between COVID and the immune system. And then if you want to throw anything about the, the shots that people are getting
1: as well. Right. So, you know, first of all, when it comes and long
0: COVID, I'm sorry, long COVID was right. the conversation. That's that what I was going to get into. Yeah.
1: Right, right. So the biggest thing with COVID is not just how do we deal with COVID in the acute situation, which when it first came out, that was one of the biggest problems that we had, where it was attacking people that, again, had underlying illnesses in particular rampant inflammation Mm. you may have heard the word cytokine storm is what ended up killing a lot of these people well that's exactly everything that i've been talking about today and how autoimmune conditions work and how these viruses will stimulate the production of these auto or not auto but Mm pro-inflammatory chemical signaling processes within the body so the issue that we have with covid now is not the acute stage so much anymore the CDC is changing guidelines. You don't need to quarantine anymore. All kinds of stuff. But how does COVID... Because
0: not just to jump in, because naturally, when something new takes place, we're going to learn more. That's why the extreme stuff at the beginning, like like we all knew what to do, was a little bit overcooked because you really don't. And here's the evidence. We're changing some things based on what we're learning. Right. And we knew that would happen. Right. Right. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, you no, off. No, no, of but- course,
1: and and the development the development of the immunity to it is what we were trying to push hmm. with the vaccine, and since the beginning of COVID, you know, I, I feel like the isolation has caused a big problem too. That's really not what we should have been doing. Now, the whole thing was to slow down the spread so that not everybody got infected and ended up in the hospitals. Right. Now, once that initial phase passed that, then it should have been to, Hey, we all need to start figuring out, you know, how do we build immunity to this thing? How do we take care of our body to fight it? Why don't we look at what the people are doing that aren't dying from COVID? Right. You know, the biggest, that's a big number. A huge number, sure. way bigger than the number of people that that, that that did die from it. Yes, and by the way, of the people that did suffer, you know, very poor outcomes, death being included, the biggest common denominator was low vitamin D, mm. which is potentially one of the least expensive supplements in the entire world, wow. and. Also, one of the most widely available ones, That's but wild. I never saw a commercial no. uh, post. I never heard President Biden talk about hurricane preparation, saying that you know we should take vitamin D. He said hurricane preparation. Oh yeah, you didn't. Hear. One of the best ways that Americans are getting ready for hurricane season is by getting vaccinated. So uh, no 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 hold on hold on hold on
0: cuz I'm trying to stay serious right now and you're serious right now. I'm 100% serious. I didn't see that and we'll have you can fact check that. I'm sure he's not making that up. A vital part of preparing for hurricane season is to get vaccinated now. Oh man.
1: Yeah, so I wish I was making it up. Part, I, I part of me really do does. And I'll put wish this on record and
0: the the reason why I wish you were making it up is because I actually voted for Biden. So I I I can I can criticize I think to a level that other people maybe would get criticized for but
1: well you're under the umbrella so that's, that's good you, that's can always, you can always you can always when you're under the umbrella you can talk smack we're, but we're, we're getting we're digressing a bit but yeah at the, at the end of yeah. the day
0: and look so there's, the president talked about the relationship between getting a shot and hurricanes but didn't talk about vitamin D
1: yeah, exactly. So why not talk about, and that's one of the things that I don't necessarily like uh, regarding the vaccine for COVID. By the way, they had to change the definition of vaccine to call the COVID vaccine a vaccine. I'm aware. I wanted to talk about that at length. I
0: wrote down probably a 12 hour podcast and I haven't recorded any of it because I was waiting for the right time, but that's one of the things I talked about. Listen,
1: so at the end of the day, for me, again, You know, I have patients that are involved in in vaccine research and all this kind of stuff. They said that they wouldn't do it because it just isn't enough time Mm. to understand what's really going on. And for me, the biggest thing is when we talk about DNA, there's only two things that could really change in DNA. And, And those are called genetic mutations. Right. And that's the code from which our body knows what to do, how to do. It's literally the instruction manual for our body but it's made through MRNA Mm -hmm. and the vaccine is MRNA and there's about 60 things that can go wrong with each strand of MRNA as opposed to two from DNA. So it's not stable at all. Got it. And you know, again, a movie is a movie, but what, what's the common theme of all these movies with crazy stuff is that life finds a way, right? Is that things happen that are out of the control out of what may have been the intention. So for me, you know, We're made to fight viruses. If you're healthy, you did well with COVID. Yeah, you probably felt like crap for a couple of days. But at the end of the day, you made it.
0: And you made the statement, if you're healthy, because there's a caveat for someone who maybe isn't or is elderly. And I want to be clear, this isn't an anti-vax conversation for anybody out here who wants to peg it as that. It's an alternative conversation about a perspective that, yes, is difficult for some people to talk about or even have, but I'm going to talk about it here because I'm talking to a, a doctor who actually has some stuff and some groundwork with it. Now, be clear... It's available, these shots are. And if you feel like you could use them and you want to take them, I will support you in doing that. I'm not going to tell anybody not to do it. I'm talking about me and I'm talking to a doctor about Mm -hmm. the shot itself. My parents, I mean, if I talk about them, at the end of the day, from what I knew and at the time that there was, and I don't know if it was because of the fear, but I thought, you know, weighing things out, get it, dad, get it. If it's going to boost your immunity in this short, short time, you're in your late 60s, like, go ahead. I'm going to look at it a little differently. Somebody even younger than me, maybe if you look at it a little differently, if you're healthy, that's the conversation. It's not black or white, I think is really the point.
1: Exactly. And I'll tell you this too. And this is what, this is kind of my stance on all vaccines. If you're healthy, your body has the ability to fight illness. It's made, that's why we have an immune system. If you take care of your body and your immune system, you've got what you need, right? There's natural immunity. There's, uh, acquired immunity mm-hmm. and one of them lasts a lifetime. The other one requires constant infection or constant boosters or constant to be
0: clear. Natural would be if you contract the virus and your body resp- responds by fighting it off, acquired meaning through a shot.
1: Correct. Or
0: right. Exactly. By natural would be acquiring it from another person. Exactly. You, may, you may acquire it in terms of a shot. Exactly. In terms of yeah. exactly.
1: So that, that innate immunity and, and they're controlled by different parts of the immune system. And that, that, control th1 versus th2 and th17 the way that your white blood cells proliferate as they're being made that's what actually turns into the imbalances that contribute to autoimmunity as well Mm. so the point of this whole thing again was not to be anti-vax but to say if you take care of yourself you may not need it hmm. because maybe there are some risks associated with it that aren't being fully disclosed, not because they're hiding it, but because it, it hasn't been long enough. Right. Normally these exactly. vaccines are tested for years and years and years. Exactly. This thing was rolled out, you know, to try and get things done. Yeah. And so for me, the risk versus the reward, the risk
0: versus the reward. that exactly. medicine
1: always talks about, if you're healthy, if you take care of yourself, if you don't have diabetes and you're not obese, Hey, you probably got a good shot of beating it. So, yep. instead, invest in yourself and and avoid the risk of who knows what might happen with these shots. Now, forgetting about the vaccination for a moment, just getting into COVID, the biggest and this is what as a I, virus as a virus itself, it also triggers other viruses in your body. Because why? Those viruses are dormant, waiting for you to party too hard or have a lot of or stress COVID in to your come life. In and-
0: hit you and now
1: it's like oh hey man right you know, so it's activating a lot of these they brought a keg let's go right it's ready to go so all these dormant viruses are also coming back mm. so covid is triggering fatigue more than anything a lot more autoimmunity a lot more allergies a lot more of the comorbidities that kind of come along with having an imbalanced immune system long covid or long haulers covid or pcas post covid something syndrome that they have like 13 names for it now this is something that's becoming more and more prevalent, but it's not something new. Yeah, it's got a new name—post-COVID and long-COVID long haul. But this is what I've been treating people that have fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue, chronic fatigue syndrome, and all these conditions that, Done the same that I see. It's COVID the same thing. Did. The same story. Maybe it's Epstein Barr causing it. Maybe it's herpes one or two. Maybe it's cytomegalovirus. Maybe for some people it's dengue. Who knows? But at the end of the day, the way that these viruses. Soak up attention from our immune system is what creates imbalance, as in particular when we're not giving our body what Mm -hmm. we need rest wise, nutrition wise, etc. etc. So, long haul COVID is becoming very prevalent. As a matter of fact, one in 13 people right now, based on a study done between June 1st and June 13th of this year by the CDC, shows that one in 13 people have long haul COVID symptoms. Now, of course. You have to have had COVID to have long-haul COVID. So this is not one in 13 people in general. This is one in 13 people that have got COVID. And I would probably go further to say that it's more than that as well, because I believe this is underdiagnosed. And post-COVID symptoms are fatigue. There can be neurological symptoms. There can be aches and pains that manifest. It could be just like every other autoimmune or subclinical autoimmune condition that I particularly see in my office where people are going to their doctor the doctor says everything looks good, but they don't feel well. And it's because of what COVID has done to the balance mm. of their immune system and how it's got friends that are contributing to that imbalance, the other viruses that have been living within the body. Let me ask
0: you, though, real quick to jump in, using myself as an example, I, I, I got over COVID and felt... F- pretty much fine. And then a couple of weeks after I felt fine, I felt great for like a month or more. Then I got my blood work done. And just to use me as an example, there's really no fatigue. There's no post COVID, anything like that. But yet my blood work came up with a marker that we think really could be associated to that. How would you describe or explain, first of all, what that marker really so was? And then that, was what
1: a, that was an ANA, anti-nuclear antibodies. And that is... The precursor to finding out about over 150 different type of autoimmune conditions. That would
0: be on top of the one that I already know of. Right. Or
1: would that be the same no. one? So Hashimoto's is is not part of oh. an ANA panel. Gotcha. Okay. Hashimoto's is going to be diagnosed by thyroglobulin and thyro, thyroid peroxidase antibodies. Got it. It wouldn't even come up. Got it. Right. So an ANA would be Sjogren's, lupus, scleroderma, mm. polydermatomyositis, uh, all these other...
0: And this specified that lupus was the one that they based saw on the pattern potentially right as on that ANA was lupus specifically. That was kind of it was how, how it was a possibility?. possibility? So, so
1: again, when we talk about subclinical autoimmunity, that means that you have a positive ANA, but the tighter level, or how strong is that antibody reaction, when it's below 12,60, that's considered to be subclinical. At around that time, you will have already developed antibodies versus certain tissues, and that cascade of autoimmune events will have already been kicked off. Is that where I'm at? No. You are at 1 to 40, which okay. is the absolute lowest tighter level that you can be at.
0: But it's saying be real easy because what this means is the door could be cracked, and if you're not careful, it could bust wide open. What it
1: means is you have the potential to develop, to develop. that type of autoimmune condition. So the
0: ingredients are on the counter to, to bake this cake. Be real easy because those ingredients get thrown together if things right come together a certain way. If you're not okay, correct, okay,
1: exactly. So that's a good example of what I've been mentioning this whole time with the subclinical autoimmunity thing, where you have signs that your immune system is is attacking your body, and it is, but to the extent where it's not causing the full blown disease or condition or disorder. Right, where you now require Humira or you know a drug like that Medication. that's going to, again. Dumb down your immune system, suppress no, the immune system.
0: We got time to to get into antibiotics to round out
1: here. Uh, let's do it. Let's all let's, right, let's, do let's it. finish it before off before we go any further. And I do that. Also, okay. real quick, at the end of the day, if we're talking about long haul COVID symptoms, all these kinds of things, you're not going to find answers in the medical community except for potentially a diagnosis because it's a functional problem. The adrenal mm-hmm. glands are probably involved. The hormones may be imbalanced. The immune system definitely needs some support one mm. way or another. There may be other issues.
0: Too much going on to specify exactly.
1: There is no medication for long-haul COVID. Mm. It, it, is, it doesn't exist. Got it. Just like fatigue. Makes the most sense. common reason people see doctors is fatigue. Wow. There's no medicine for it.
0: Wow, because it's a symptom of other functional issues going on in the body. Right. And to, just to close out with that, I want to go back to the risk and the reward. And I want to just clarify because people will take sound bites or snippets and then discredit everything that's said because of the lack of context. There are viruses out there that, if you contract that virus, you will probably most likely die. So, sure, a shot or a vaccination would probably make sense. If it's a deadly, literally deadly to anybody who contracts or comes across that, your vaccination sh- would probably make sense for everybody in that case, correct? For
1: example, like polio, for example, the, right? You, right. The, the risk of potentially, yeah, you may survive polio, but then you may be deformed for the rest of your life, right? So yeah, maybe that's worth it. And know? that's what I mean with the COVID argument, because what people will do is they'll throw the number
0: out there. I don't know where we're at as far as the ticker, as far as, yes, a lot of people have died from, from COVID, but relative to the population of people who have contracted it, it's an actual small fraction. That's not dismissing anyone who's passed away. It's, that's horrible. I mean, it's, it's, it's tragic if anyone passes away or dies from COVID. But if we talk about risk versus reward, we have to look at the numbers. And I think if you look at the fraction of people who die from this disease versus the majority of people who die from this disease, that ma- disease, that majority is really where you're looking at more risk on this side than totally. you would find. You know, give it if, if nine out of 10 people are dying of a disease, uh, of a virus, give me the shot. I, I will deal with the risks of that versus one out of 2,000 100, or 100,000, I'm going to deal with, you know, right. so that's, I just want to clarify the way at least I'm looking at this and one way to look at that. Okay. Antibiotics. This is another hot topic when you talk about holistic health, because antibiotics really destroy bacteria in the body. And you mentioned it earlier, correct me if I'm wrong anywhere in here, jump in. You have good bacteria that is necessary in your system to function adequately. Mm-hmm. And if we contract or develop any bad bacteria, we have the conundrum of how do we get rid of the bad without killing the good? Antibiotics do not care about whether or not the, the bacteria is good, good or, or bad. Bit, right. It will wipe it out. So that is my take. I will ask you the question, how do antibiotics work? Or did I just answer it?
1: Well, yeah, you kind of did. I mean, at the end of the day, they do kill their antibacterial, right? So they kill all bacteria, good and bad. And it's one of the reasons, similarly, why hand sanitizer, for example, I'm not a big fan of because we also, not that we have, you know, lactobacillus and all these probiotics on our fingers, but we have a balance of flora in and on our bodies. And when we disrupt that, it can lead to opportunistic bacteria making their way into a place and becoming overgrown and therefore causing symptoms and issues.
0: So my mom, what do I tell my mom? Because my mom, she's very conscious and careful. She's also relaxed. She wears no shoes out in the yard and she's kind of just like one with nature, but she's to prevent and mitigate. And she does not, she did not get any shots uh, um, to, to protect herself from covid because for the same concerns that, that her prior health, so on and so forth, Mom I'm putting you out there, but she's 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 crazy with the with the answer, with the sanitizer though, like she wipes everything and does whatever her hands because I think she thinks that's compensating for like that'll make
1: up for it. So it is, but it's also like, it's also getting rid of a good bacteria, right? On your so, hands and right. so on. So at the end of the day, I guess
0: it depends on where you're using it. If you're in a public restroom or somewhere, right? There's wanna- instances,
1: right? Like, listen, <laughs> when I when I disconnect my RV and I don't have any water left and I can't wash my hands and I was just messing with the sewage hose, let me get that. Yeah, I'm gonna right. go ahead and sanitize. <laughs> okay. okay, you know, but for to walk in and out of a room every single time and every time I shake a hand and right. everything, if there's a if there's a soap and water available, that's going to be my choice because. Soap and water won't do as much damage to it the It will good not flora. harm the bacteria. What it what it's going to do is it's going to, whatever new bacteria that's making its way onto you hasn't really embedded itself into your system so yet.
0: It wipes it off more than it does kill it. Right. It's ah. not, because soap
1: is not killing bacteria. Just Soap is it making from it you slippery so, so it that leaves. it leaves. Correct. That's what, ah, okay. And okay. as a matter of fact, the whole reason. I think
0: I knew that. I'm acting like I just heard that for the first time, but I'm pretty sure that's what. But, <laughs> the, but, it's the, it's the, but the But the, but the, but the, but the, but the uh, the not lotion, but the um sanitizer, sanitizer does not,
1: it'll kill it on site and kills it. It's right. not about, yeah, because well, think about right, it, you're not like right, dousing right. sanitizer, Got right? It. It's that, that process kills the bacteria, Got it. okay? Okay, so at the end of the day, it's similar to what an antibiotic would do. Now, we don't want to again kill good bacteria because one course of antibiotics can change your microbiome or the bacteria in your gut for the rest of your life. And let's say that, say that one more time. One course, one, one, one prescription, prescription one dose, one, of, one not three, dose, day, seven three day, day, seven day, eight. 10 day, whatever pack you got can change your gut environment literally for the rest of your life.
0: One time is all it takes. Now you, you'll rebound, you'll,
1: you'll go back, but differently than it was before. Differently than it was before, wow. or it may take you a lot of work to get back to where you were before, depending on how long you start to become proactive. And what you've allowed to then grow in its place, because something's got to take that place. When you kill that bacteria, what's going to fill that up now? Mm. It's going to be other opportunistic bacteria and other things that kind of make their way
0: in. There's the delicate approach. If you're going to, I mean, you get uh, you know wisdom teeth taken out. You got to take it for to prevent infection in your mouth. That counts as an antibiotic, and it will do what you just said. But I think if you're going to take it, or you have taking it or you're going to take I guess I should say for anybody who out there who's going to take antibiotics in the future if you haven't already obviously but if you have you probably have it's what you're doing during and after very very critically you, that you when you take the antibiotic during and after that will help prevent right. the Overgrowth. filling the void right filling that void, that void that's the vacuum a great way to put it.
1: exactly and so getting good bacteria in certain strains in particular after uh, antibiotics are extremely important and like you said antibiotics sometimes are necessary. Sometimes antibiotics will literally save your life. And that's kind of when you want to use them hmm. because that's the risk reward thing, right? It's the risk reward thing, right? So at the end of the day, if you have a cold, you want to let your immune system figure out how to fight that cold on its own. Hmm. If you take a pack or some sort of antibiotic, yeah, you're wiping that bacteria out. But now you're immune. So it. it's like if I say, oh, I'm going to help you lose five pounds and I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to do cardio for you. How does that work? It, right. does, it doesn't. Your body has to do and go through the process to learn the process. Real quick, though, Doc, if you have a cold, which is a virus,
0: and you're taking the Z-Pak, which a is an antibiotic. A cold may not
1: necessarily it be. It may not be.
0: I'm thinking of.
1: So colds can be viral and they can be bacterial. Okay. And they can be both. Yeah, but so, if you're taking a
0: so an so antibiotic you have,
1: right. for a virus. So the whole z pack for COVID thing. Didn't make much sense. To me, I was like, that's got to be prophylactic. That's got to be not prophylactic, but placebo. Because you think you're taking something to help you, but it's really not addressing the virus because the right. z pack is, to- is, is, bac- is an antibacterial, not an antiviral.
0: But here's the, let me play devil's advocate. Was it to prevent any bacterial infections while the immune system lowered while you're because of the virus? I mean, prophylactic what, on the bacterial what would,
1: side. What would be your exposure to other bacteria if you're isolated at home? Well,
0: there's the counter to
1: that. On COVID. Yeah. You know, there is no, you don't really have an additional exposure. Now, if you had some other sort of bacteria going on in your body, okay, then yeah, I can see that. But at the end of the day, it just, it's a treatment that didn't make sense. Didn't make sense. And and it's kind of what happens. It's actually, I'm so happy, man. I'm seeing a lot of it now where people will come to me and they'll be like, oh, I went to my doctor and he said it was a virus, just rest. And I'm like, oh. Thank God.
0: The, the doc- you're happy that the doctors are taking that approach.
1: Yes, and a lot of them now are starting to realize. Like before, you would just call and. Hey, I'm sick. Oh, there's your antibiotic. Go mm. pick it up. You wouldn't need an exam. You wouldn't need anything. I know people like this day candy, huh? still call their doctor and, and the doctor will just send a prescription for an antibiotic. You think, not to cut you
0: off, you think that relates to the challenges that we're having Big time. with contracting and dealing with bacteria which is lowering our basically general immunity? Not necessarily or, or that. Not necessarily what is the that? over-prescription? Uh, how, could, does the, how is the over-prescription or the celebration almost of antibiotics, how is it affecting our health as a population?
1: It's creating antibiotic resistance resistant strains of bacteria. Oh,
0: so antibiotics just don't work. That is don't work eventually.
1: And they will get to the point where we'll have super bugs that we can't do anything about. If you think COVID is a problem, hmm. there is no defense against a bacteria that our immune system can't handle and an antibiotic can't handle. So literally it could, it could eventually at well, one that, point
0: end the human race. Cause we put ourselves in that same position because we're not letting ourselves build up strong right. enough.
1: And the same way, and you know what the biggest problem is? People who start to feel better and don't finish their whole entire course of antibiotics because that bacteria then lives. And the same way we learn uh, how to fight.
0: I'm, I'm hurt enough to not be able to do anything, but I'm still strong enough to know what you're giving me and I'm going to kind of figure out how to deal with it and I'm learn how to do that. That's not going to affect me anymore. And
1: evolve. and evolve. And evolve. And evolve. And we also sometimes have genetic, uh, genetic nuances that will create basically an ineffective antibiotic so let's say you have a bacterial infection and you have that genetic change where that bacteria that antibiotic doesn't work with you and you get prescribed that that bacteria now is just basically like a free training manual on how to defeat that antibiotic and so that's where the problem lies it's with antibiotic resistant strains of bacteria
0: i heard an approach that there was a concerned by a virologist i believe that the shots may do that in some way with covid whereas we're introducing something enough to really lower the virus but the virus is going to learn from the
1: shot yeah and it mutates and that's why in that
0: way it evolves and now that's what the the flu is yeah exactly i always talk about how that's why we
1: need a new flu shot every year yes and that's why the scientists have to guess how the flu mutate. strain is going to mutate and evolve. Mm. And so that's why the flu shot will be anywhere between 17 to you know 60% effective.
0: Yeah, and I'm not a doctor, but as soon as they started talking about a, quote, shot, call it a vaccine if you want. Well, no, just first the shot. Oh, and right. then the first time they talked about a booster, I then thought about the flu, and I thought, virus, virus. I thought... Do you all think that it's going to be a one or two and done? Because if we're talking about a virus that can and already has mutated, why is it going to stop after one mutation? The flu didn't. So you know that you're pretty much signing up for something long-term that you're going to have to stay on top of. I don't think a lot of people thought that's what this shot for COVID was going to be. No, what not you, at all. What not at think? all.
1: And and it's it's one of the biggest like anti-vax things out there too. It's like, oh, you're on booster number 38 now. Um, but it it it's the truth. I mean, at the end of the day... It is going to be another, just like every... An annual booster. It's and, here for Right. Ever. Viruses don't go away. It's, it's, if you haven't got it yet, you're going to get it. Right. Don't worry. You might not even know it, but you're going to you are contract 100%. it. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's going to be just like herpes and cytomegalovirus and Epstein-Barr and virus and, and the flu. And it's just going to be one of those things that's always around. And either you're going to be immune enough to handle it or you're not.
0: Right. And we're talking about, just to really wrap up what we did here today and in part one, Well, can you do to be strong enough to handle it essentially. And that goes back to holistically taking care of yourself in your whole system.
1: Right. And, and just to break, that's a perfect little segue for something that I just, if if anybody out there has been watching this whole thing and you're still listening, first of all, bless you. Second of all, (laughs) there's going to be a lot of people that listen to this. (laughs) Second of all, it's not just a holistic doctor and it's not just a medical doctor. You really should have a team because there's things that I can't do that medical doctors can do and there's things that I do that medical doctors don't mm. and they all play a role in where we are if you're talking about healthcare you need to be looking at holistic if you're talking about predicting preventing all kinds of issues you you need a holistic doctor if you want to wait till things go bad and treat things You know, with with a medicine, with an antibiotic, with a drug, with a pill, if you want to manage disease. The symptom to manage the disease. That's what medicine is here for. And that's what, you know, and I have people come to me upset. Like, why didn't my doctor tell me about this stuff? Why didn't my doctor, I had a guy today who had a carotid, uh, not carotid, but a uh, arteriogram done of his heart. He's got 75 or 50% blockage in one of the major arteries of his heart. He does a nuclear stress test every single day year for the past 10 years. Every nuclear meaning a really full no, spectrum nuclear big gamut, means or they what inject that? nuclear means they inject a the dye and they oh, look shit. at the blood flow of the heart as it's pumping. Okay, literally or, nuclear. Jeez, yeah. wow. So it means if they if there was a blockage they would have seen it. And Every year his doctor tells him everything is perfectly fine. Did this go bad since his last exam or what? You can't develop 50 to 75% <laughs> blockage 11 in, months. Right. So <laughs> he's pissed now at his doctor for telling him like, yo, how can you tell me that everything has bad been enough? Perf- it just wasn't it just bad never, enough. It was never bad enough.
0: And ladies and gentlemen, we don't want to wait till it's bad enough. That's Correct. Really, at least I don't. And in
1: his, and in his situation, especially now, because there's a reason that the left anterior descending artery is called the widow maker. Mm. Because if that artery is blocked, it's the major blood flow to your heart. You're probably going to die. Wow. And that could be the first symptom that you have. Are men the only one with that left interior? Why is it the widow maker and not the... Eh, you know, well, widow could be men, male or female at the I end of the day. I thought it was called something different. I don't know. I could, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty a sure...
0: The, a widow is the wife and the... Wait, we'll, we'll get back to you guys on that. <laughs> we'll get, we'll get back to you. Put in the me. comments. tell us. I think what,
1: widow matters. It doesn't matter either I way. I thought
0: widow is, is the female. And, we need the
1: crack staff to and, let us know about that.
0: And the male is...
1: We're going to... Yeah.
0: But... I think your point is we don't want to wait till it's bad enough and it get do- gets recognized by a medical right. doctor.
1: Exactly. At the end of the day, by the time it's re- it's recognized by a medical doctor, it's already a problem. It's a problem. Yep. So, you know, that's why I said it's not just one person or another.
0: What do we got? Widower.
1: A widow is
0: the is the female that lost the, the husband and then the widower is the man that lost the... Right. We're full range here. On we get this, it all. We do it this all. We, we'll, we'll educate you on a, on a bunch of things. Doc, anything else that you want to mention or, or, or add to today's conversation?
1: No, I think, you know, finishing with that point that I just made is super important. You know, it's, it's, you know, they always say there's like three sides to every story. You know what I mean? Like your version, their version, the truth. Mm. And that's kind of why you want to have multiple eyes looking at things because specialists, medical doctors, they, they are trained and will look for certain things and they will save lives, but they're also not trained in other things. Mm. And so, you know, it's important because a lot of the things that we do, the things that we do every day turn into what our health is. And if they're not addressing that, you need somebody who's going to address that. And, and I don't mean, hey, lose weight and drink water addressing that. Mm. I mean, eat these foods, avoid these foods. This is why. Here's the markers. This is what we want to see change. Yeah. And creating clinical, you know, everything in medicine is evidence-based, right? Well, we want to do that too. We want to make sure that your blood work numbers are improving. We want to make sure your waist to hip ratio is improving. We want to make sure that your BMI is going down. We want to make sure that all these things are happening, but giving you an action plan to do it as well. Mm. Instead of just saying, Hey, by the next time I see you next year and we spend six minutes together doing your annual physical preventive exam, you know, how can you prevent disease in a six minute visit mm. once a year. It's just not possible. So you need somebody that's going to spend more time, give you more attention, do an actual thorough physical exam, look at inflammatory markers, those kinds of things. And that's what an annual physical preventive should be. Yeah. What, what is being done right now is really a screening for disease. Right. Have you developed disease yet? Are you bad yet? enough? Come on. Right.
0: No, my markers say you're not right. bad enough.
1: So it's not preventive medicine. It's it's screening. It's early detection medicine is, mm. is what we have. Um, but, you know, you can find other people that do that. Um, hopefully there will be more and more Dabsies. you know, uh, coming along. One of my goals is to help Dabsies get out there more into the public eye because I think that this is really what's needed. Everybody should have if not a Dapsy, at least somebody, a nutritionist, somebody on their team, on their side that's another helping them. Another person from another angle. Right. Helping them on the holistic side, on the day-to-day side, on the, you know, yes, when disease arises, hopefully there's a medicine, a surgery, something that can save your life. But if you can prevent that as much as you can, you know, they always say an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Mm. So, yeah, we should be the first stop not the last resort. Yeah. And sometimes it's the other way around. And it's very difficult at that point and very expensive at that point. And then people are, you know, sometimes too far gone. So yes, you should start out with this, get to medicine. If we can't fix it, you know, it or if you just don't care enough to, to do what you need to, if you don't want to, you know, if you want to eat Choco tacos until they get discontinued <laughs> and, you know, sit on the couch every day and just stay in a toxic to relationship, you, up, an apple. you know, then, then fine. Then yes, Medicine will be your friend, you know, and you'll have a buffet of pills to take. But, you know, if you want to be proactive, then there's a way to do it. Yeah. And I
0: think that on that note, the proof is not just because Doc's saying it. I think the proof is go ahead and get a couple of different opinions and take a look at what the approach of the doctors that you see, what they tell you and what the results are that they give you and what they recommend. And you'll start to look at the spectrum and you'll say, his doctor told me I'm perfectly fine. Nothing's wrong. The other doctor told me, hey, look at this marker. This explains that one thing that you feel. Hmm who am I going to really kind of trust and go with here when something's identified that I actually can kind of level with. But, just to add to that, I think what you said is true and I think you agree with this as well. A team is good, man. Have multiple people that can approach you from different 100%. perspectives. Nothing wrong with second opinions and different perspectives just it's to totally. see what the best fit is for you. So, And, and I always encourage that. I, know I you tell do. people,
1: go see your endocrinologist. Right. Go see your rheumatologist. Go. We're going to run the same tests they do. Yep. We're going to look at all the same and things. And then we'll talk about it just like you talked about it with them. Exactly. Hopefully.
0: And I use myself as an example. I, I got diagnosed back in 20, 2005 and it was not hyper, not hypo. I just had a nodule on my thyroid. Here, take Synthroid. I took it for four, five, six years. I didn't really even know what it was. It was he was a very credible endocrinologist. He diagnosed my sister with type 1 di- diabetes, like very, but he missed it. He didn't see it or look at it as Hashimoto's. He just looked at my levels. He looked at a nodule. It was benign, no big deal. Take this, it'll regulate your... Se- and he had a different angle. I could have done that, like you said, take the medication. And But at one point, I just didn't want to rely on the pill if I didn't have to. I came to you and said, we really don't. Get this taken care of. Look at that. Keep the blood work in range. Check the nodule. Get the biopsy, this, that, if you need to. You're good. So, again, different approaches, different angles. You find different things. You are a great source of information and also a resource for um, ways to treat and prevent um any of the things that we're talking about today, I want to thank you once again for,
1: my for having, having me
0: back. We did not get to thyroid health. We dabbled in it a little bit here and there, and, and obviously that's one that's specific to me, and it relates to not only autoimmunity, but it relates to also some of the things with hormones. We didn't get to thyroid. So I got a part three
1: proposition. All right. So thyroid is one of them. All right. Adrenals. Adrenal, adrenal fatigue. Right. Mostly because the thyroid and the adrenals are very highly related with the HPA axis. All right. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing we need to get to gut health man we gotta we just hold we on get, it's we gotta hit it
0: yeah Gut health part three, part three. already on my printout. so
1: thyroid adrenals gut health man if we can hit that we'll have a lot covered that is and, a lot and and, and yeah, we can talk. We could probably do a separate one on each one of those. Probably, but um, we'll see. But yeah, at the end of the day, that's really those are keys to dealing with all these issues, not just preventing but treating as well. Yeah, you know, cleaning up that mess, turning over all the stones, uh, finding all the imbalances, all the deficiencies, all the inefficiencies of the body. That's how we help people heal.
0: Well. We hit a lot today. We hit a lot in part one. And um, again, I appreciate it. And we'll look forward to a part three and yeah, man. covering other things. Leave us a comment as always and with any questions or anything that you have um, below in the comment section. And yeah, uh, we're
1: doing this for you guys. So yeah, honestly, you know, whatever, whatever you want to know, yeah. that's what
0: we're here for. Feedback is great. And if so I hear man. anything after part one or part two, I'll try to squeeze it into part three. Let's do it. Thanks again, Doc. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. If you enjoyed this episode of part two of my discussion with Dr. Ray about holistic health, be sure to subscribe for future episodes, including part three of this conversation. And just a reminder, part one is already available. Please share your comments, questions, or feedback about this episode here, or you can connect with me on Instagram or social media at the Ryan David and send me a DM over there. You can also check out my YouTube channel at the Ryan David for a wide range of content there as well. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening. Until the next episode, take care.
1: Bye, Felicia.